the most sinister thing is is the boring problem. Like if the thing isn't capturing your attention, uh, you know, why keep watching it? I know it's a generic redemption story. Isn't there some value in that? I just kept thinking, so what, throughout the entire thing. The so, so what? what? So you're not speaking Russian right now. How about that? <laughs> That's the so what. The mood of what it was like to be an American in 1987 versus how people generally feel in 2022. You can't tap those same notes now. The first thing I thought is, why make people feel bad for having an interest in, in the thing that you have dedicated your life towards? Wouldn't it be incredible to see a dodgeball match between 20 creators? This is actually a really good idea. Uh, as long as I was on Marquez Brownlee's team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's because banned that from the team, sport. I'm yeah. banning him. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. It is TCU's day. We are here live every single Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern on Discord. Join our Discord. We would love to have you. It is free. You can chat all week about anything that you like or anything that you dislike. And uh, there's going to be a little bit of that on this episode. We don't have a guest, but we do have a battle. A war will be waged. I am Kevin Lieber, and with me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. The best part is, is that in the episode chat right now, Andy, who's been around for years, everybody knows Andy. He's in the cockpit of a plane right now. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's got pictures like with the instrument panel in front of him. I mean, that's that's commitment for this episode, isn't it? It is because this episode is all about this is such a random topic, but uh, it will be about the movie Top Gun, the original, not this movie that's coming out. Uh, soon Maverick or whatever, whatever it's called. Not that movie. The first one from the eighties <laughs> top gun, because, you know, Matt and I tend to agree on a whole lot. Um, and there was something that happened recently in which we found out we <laughs> disagree strongly on the movie top gun. And, uh, I think that it'll be interesting to figure out Exactly. I'm interested in figuring out what your position supporting it is. I watched it recently okay. for the first time and really did not enjoy that experience. So I think that we should both kind of go through. I mean, I'll certainly go through what I didn't like about it, uh, but, but I'd love to hear what it is that you're attracted to about this movie so that I can so that I can understand almost like probing some sort of animal or something and trying to understand how it lives. How, how does how does someone like a Top Gun movie? I don't I don't quite okay. understand. Well, first, I have a question about your dislike of it, because I, I want to understand the degree to which you dislike it. OK, so would you recommend this movie to somebody else as in? You personally think it sucks, but you think other people will like it? Or would you not bother to recommend that anybody watch it because you think it's it's irredeemably bad to the point that that it should be forgotten? Uh, the latter. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend anybody oh, wow. watch it. Okay. And I, I thought about that, you know, because uh, we decided to do this this episode, you know, a week or two ago. So I've been thinking about it on and off during that period. And uh, yeah, no, 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 it's something that 
I wouldn't recommend people watch. And I, and I even thought about the fact that I would say during this episode that if anybody is on the fence about watching this, my opinion and, and my suggestion would be to not bother. I, I wouldn't, I, I would not uh, suggest anybody watch it simply because I think it's a poorly constructed and boring. It's just a boring movie. I think it's a, I think it's a necessary watch. So uh, I'm on, I'm on the flip side of that, but okay. So we can start with the structure problems or the boring problems, which do you think is, is more sinister? Uh, the most sinister thing is, is the boring problem because, you know, if a movie is not entertaining, if it's not engaging, if you're not like continually interested in what happens next, that's just not going to be a good movie unless it has some other element to it that's so good, like the visuals or something are so stunning that you want to keep watching it. Um, for the most part, like if the thing isn't capturing your attention, uh, you know, why keep watching it? Okay. So at what point were you bored watching the movie? When did this kick in? I think pretty early-ish on. Um, certainly not in the beginning. In the be- beginning, I was, I was, I was all in uh, because mm-hmm. for a few reasons. One of which is, is like, I, I just love 80s stuff. You know, I'm a kid of the 80s. I grew up in that time period. I've watched so many 80s movies. I'm a huge fan of 80s action movies, whether it's like Schwarzenegger or Stallone or Van Damme. Oh my gosh, when I was a little kid, like Van Damme actually was my guy, not Schwarzenegger yeah. and not Stallone. I loved Bloodsport and um, uh, Cyborg and Lionheart, all of those uh, Van Damme movies I loved. So I was stoked to watch Top Gun because I had realized I'd never seen it. And it's literally one of the most famous 80s movies of all time. If you Google popular 80s movies, I, I swear to you, Top Gun comes up first. It comes up first yeah. in Google search results is Top Gun is number one. Universally beloved. Yes. So, okay. So if we're anybody, it, it is. So uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it or they haven't seen it in a while, um, it starts off with, with like an operational montage showing uh, this aircraft carrier and, you know, the people on it and the soundtrack is quite good. You know, this ominous music and all of that. Um and it goes right to right to the plane exercise. I mean, there's stuff flying around, and uh, and and it gets Maverick right into uh, into trouble in this way. Like when I say Pulp Fiction, I mean the actual genre of writing, um, not the movie, but uh, the old style Pulp Fiction stuff. It's like put your character in trouble, uh, then put him deeper in trouble, and then get him even deeper in trouble. Uh, all in like 2000 words. Um, and, and that all happens and it's really intense and exciting. And he develops a rivalry internally with Iceman in that time. That's like 20 minutes in all of this stuff happens. And I, and I was thinking, how can you not be primed at that point to want to continue to see the movie? That was probably around the point I started to get bored. Quite honestly, it was probably about half an hour in, uh, maybe it was when the love interest was, was introduced and that started that plot subplot started kind of developing the the big problem to me was that there seemed to be no big problem in the entire movie like the 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 thrust of the movie is that 
you know, Tom Cruise and spo- obviously spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't seen Top Gun. Uh, top, you know, uh, uh, Tom Cruise plays Maverick. Uh, he, 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 his father was a fighter pilot and he becomes one and he ends up going to Top Gun, which is this like special training program. And a little bit kind of into him getting to Top Gun and, and into this program, I'm just like, what is the goal? Like, what are we fighting for? What is his conflict? What can he not get that he wants? Is it just to graduate from this school? I, it, I don't care about that. That's not enough. What, what problem is this guy trying to overcome? It seemed like nothing. Well, I think there are a couple there. I mean, first, the, you know, the, the conflict is Cold War. Like, that that one's there from the beginning. If that's if if the characters themselves don't interest you at all, at least you've got a good like U.S. versus Soviet and Soviet proxies plot happening. It's um, bare. It's barely happening. It, I would call that like like a veneer on the film. It's like barely existent in it. Yeah, I I think that. I mean, it, it's cool how it's a product of the time. And this came out in, in 1986, and and it was. It was just about time to to kind of start thinking that you're you're winning this. Uh, it was it was pretty obvious there, and uh, it, there's there's a focus on like the tech stuff that I think it's an interesting time there too because like you can see from the the flight scenes, it's a bit technological, but not everything is like easy mode video game. Uh, it still is obvious that that. Uh, Primarily, it's about the pilot's skill and all of that stuff. Um, that's a neat element to me, and I don't think Top Gun would have been as interesting if it came out, you know, in like 2005, when that line between human and, and tech in the actual plane aspect was was different. Um, that enough to me. That's enough for me to to carry it through. But but I th- I think the the conflict on it is is really he's kind of fighting against himself on this because he's got this overconfidence that teeters on disaster and occasionally topples into it and is super flawed. I mean, there's, uh, there's confidence and then there's arrogance and he keeps pushing on that to the detriment of himself. Um, when he does the first flyby of the tower, you know, he gets dressed down for it, absolutely berated, and it doesn't occur to him until after that uh, that Goose is affected by the really dumb thing that he did. And Goose has to have a heart to heart with him that's like, hey, my this is my life and I have a family and you can't jeopardize it. Like, I want to just get through here. Um, so, yeah, he's got incredible talent, incredible confidence, uh, incredible instincts and is so reckless with it that. You know, he harms himself and others, or at least has the capacity to do that. Uh, and overshadowing that is the the father's legacy. Um, that for whatever reason, which they start dotting the film with references to this building up to the end, uh, for whatever reason, he's got this, this shadow uh, uh, of his father's legacy that he believes is different than what the official story is. But he doesn't seem to have any family. I mean, you see Goose's wife and kid in several scenes, but at no point is where he's from referenced, whether his mother is still alive. You know when his father died, but that's it. 
Is he an only child? Does he have any aunts and uncles? It, it, it he has nobody at all in this movie. Um, just his own, his own ability and his father's tainted legacy. So plowing onward with those two burdens, I think is, is the conflict for me. Okay. Yeah. I find both of those conflicts really thin and not very compelling. Uh, the fact that you don't know much about him, I, I feel like I didn't know much about anybody in the movie. It all just seemed so superficial, you know, Iceman, what does he have, like five lines in the whole movie? He's supposed to be this like big rival to Maverick and he is almost completely inconsequential. He's just kind of there sometimes, like a few times. It's like sort of his nemesis, I guess. But everything just seems so like, and then this happened and then this happens. It was like, it reminded me of of um, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. They had that old thing about how to, like what bad writing is like. And they basically said that like a bad story will go this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Whereas good writing will yeah. be like this happened. However, that happened, but this happened. And to me, Top Gun, it was like watching the quintessential this happened and then this happens and then this happens screenplay. And by the end of it, I was like, I, I literally just finished watching it just so that I knew like I could say I watched yeah, the whole this- thing. Uh, but like I, I almost laughed out loud when they shoehorned the battle at the end into the movie as if it was like, oh, yeah, crap. We need to have some kind of like, uh, you know, big conclusion, some big battle. Uh, yeah, let's just have the guy come in during the graduation ceremony and be like, oh, yeah, LOL, the, we're being attacked and you guys have to go take care of it. Like, OK, here we go. It was like such a deus ex machina like like nothing in the whole movie is set up there there, there's no payoff to anything it's not like oh earlier in the movie like the only setup and payoff i can even think of in the whole movie is when in the very beginning the dude kind of uh gets his nerves shattered and he can't and he can't fly anymore and later on in the film the same thing happens to maverick he gets his nerves shattered um, you know, after Goose dies and he's like kind of unable to fly. Uh, aside from that, there I couldn't think of another instance in where like something earlier in the film paid off later directly. Like you needed to pay attention to something because it came back around later. That, that does mm-hmm. not a thing. Uh, like, let me give you a great example of this because I watched The Quick and the Dead okay. uh, afterwards. Yeah. And the Quick and the Dead okay. is a, a Sam Raimi Western from the 90s uh, with an all-star cast, Leonardo DiCaprio, Gene Hackman, Sharon Stone. So I had a great night out with Lance Henriksen once. Did I ever tell you that? No. Oh, that's another time then. But yeah, so <laughs> I was a big Quick yes. and the Dead fan. Yes, Lance Henriksen. <laughs> All right, so you're familiar with that movie. That movie yeah, has oh, yeah. um, a, a great payoff. Where earlier in the film, um, you know, the main baddie, the bad guy, Gene Hackman, um, has has somebody tied up with a noose standing on a chair. And he's shooting out the right. legs of the chair in order to make, you know, the chair. Oh, oh, it's a, what's his name? It's a gladiator. Um, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. So yeah. Russell Crowe is standing on this chair. He's got a noose around his neck. And Gene Hackman is shooting out the legs of the chair to kill him. 
He's teetering, you know, on the brink of dying, of the chair collapsing, and Sharon Stone shoots him down to save his life. This happens pretty early on in the film. Right. You know, throughout the film, Sharon Stone wants to kill Gene Hackman, who's the main bad guy, because something involving her father, you don't really know what, but, you know, he's responsible for her father's death, and that carries most of the film. You get little drips and drabs of, like, her wanting to get revenge. The big payoff at the end is that this exact scenario is what happened with Gene Hackman and her father. And then the plot twist is that when she was a she was a child at the time, Gene Hackman has her father hanging from a rope, standing on a chair, and uh, she give uh, Gene Hackman gives her the gun and says, "If you can shoot the rope, you can save your father's life." Yes. He gives her the opportunity to save her dad. And she's literally just a tiny little girl. She goes to shoot the rope and she shoots him in the forehead and kills him. Mm -hmm. That is an incredible payoff from the beginning of the film to the end. You go, oh my gosh, that is incredible. It tied everything together so well. And and I watched that movie after Top Gun and, and instantly was like, that is great storytelling and top gun is garbage storytelling it's just it's just a poorly written boring movie i think the forces at play are completely different so for example i think a lot of people watch top gun and want to be on some level pete mitchell he's a good-looking guy who's extremely talented he's really confident People like him. He's literally the life of the party if he wants to be. Um, You see more and more that it kind of swings between him being an asshole and him being uh, a very decent guy. So, like, um, the interesting thing about Iceman, despite not having a whole lot of lines, is that he's right about everything he says. So you have... You know, you have the the hero's rival here. How often is the hero's rival 100% on the money and accurate with (laughs) their problems with the hero? Like, that doesn't happen very often, but Iceman is totally right that Pete Mitchell is a dangerous person. He doesn't do things by the book or even safely, uh, and that's a problem. Um, So you have the guy that you kind of want to be like and then the guy that you don't want to be like, and then... Uh, he has the balls to do the singing scene and you kind of want to be like him again. When he actually does go have a, have a dinner date with the woman, he's not insanely arrogant or cocky. He's just listening to her talk and, um, he's a decent guy again. And, th- and that tells you like, Hey, when you thought 20 minutes ago that, that maybe you shouldn't be rooting for this guy. Now here's the confirmation that you were totally right. It's okay to want to be him and it's okay uh, to root for him. Um, And then Maverick as a character constantly does more things to make you wonder if that was the right move. uh, If you're still on totally on team Maverick. Um, But uh, that's that's the the thing that's driving that movie. Not so much a, a singularly eventful story like quick and dead is a great example because you pull this backstory that involves multiple characters and it's it's crazy like that was that was amazing whereas this is really guy who's kind of a jerk goes to elite training thing 
that is fraught with some troubles that rock his confidence. Can he pull out of it? That's there's not a whole lot more to no. the story than that. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty classic uh, on some levels. Hero's journey stuff right down to having uh, having the mentor pop in, um, which is uh, uh, Tom Scarra. I forget his rank in the in the film. But Tom Scarra is his real name. The guy with the mustache, older guy. Um, he reveals he unlocks the mystery of what happened to Maverick's father uh, in a way that that helps push him through the 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 grief that he's going through when goose dies um and yeah with the romance going on too that's you know that's a sidebar but it's also two people who are very similar with personalities uh figuring that out and making it work and that's intriguing that's just an intriguing uh romance as far as those things go because it's it's not like rocky and adrian where it's like you couldn't get two people further from <laughs> from the same as those two um, with Charlie and Pete Mitchell. Like these are both very similar people. Uh, the woman is just a, a bit more sensible and, and mature. Uh, she has a handle on on her confidence and, and all of that. Uh, but substantially, they're they're the same. Uh, yeah, I just didn't care. Yeah. man. I didn't care about the dad subplot and when Tom Scarrett tells him it was basically like you know how the whole time you thought your dad was a bad guy actually he was pretty cool that 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 to me was like okay I don't care he thinks he's he thinks his dad is is was a good guy and that the uh the official version wasn't and that it was unfair and so Tom Scarrett confirms that that unfairness which uh um did nothing for it's me. Sort of like I was somebody, like, okay. Yeah. I, I like mean, there were it, no stakes to it. There were no stakes to that subplot. What were the stakes? The stakes is that it validates that he's, that he's not in, not like the result of a tainted legacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm stumbling here because I'm trying to think of how, what an analogy to that would be. Um, but like, imagine if, uh, you know, imagine if, if uh, you were the son of, of a murderer or something like that, like it, that's not a, a reflection on you and your personality and life can go on, uh, regardless, but like, wouldn't it be better to find out like DNA evidence that he didn't actually do it? <laughs> like even after he died, <laughs> wouldn't you feel better about, uh, the truth kind of proving you right and, and not having any any shame there because it, it, it would, you know that yeah. was part of it. it it wasn't just like he screwed up or something like that it sounded it sounded like the official version was somehow shameful like not only did it not happen as uh like he wasn't heroic or anything like that it's like no he did something wrong because at one point uh the guy tells him that you know points out that his name is is not the best you know in the navy so there's got to be something negative attached to it um so it's not only the positive part, it's it's eliminating whatever negative, shameful thing was was a part of that. Uh, and I think that's a tremendous relief for him because for whatever reason, he's carried that burden and at times been driven by it. And that's probably good. Uh, but it's been an oppressive thing. And at the very end, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to skip through that to the end, but it's relevant. The end of the movie, he throws dog tags out into 
uh, under the water. Um, you know, you can't zoom in uh, and see whose they are. Are they his? Are they his father's? Are they Goose's? It's not clear what he's letting go of there, but something, you know, he's letting go of something. Uh, but the, yeah, the the revelation in the truth about his father was a bigger deal to me than than it was to you. Well, the whole thing is clearly a bigger deal to you than it was to me because I, I kept waiting for like something to happen that was interesting. And to me, nothing happened in the whole thing that I was just kind of waiting for it to be over. Um, and so it's clear to me that like I was not invested in this dude as a character. So this is like a character study, I guess. It's just weird, man. It's weird for me to go into this movie, Top Gun, that's just like iconic action movie. And then it ends up being ostensibly this bizarre mix of 80s action flick and like slow drama, like slow character study, I guess, drama where the film itself doesn't have normal movie beats. And instead, it's just kind of this slow burn of like, let's see how, you know, Maverick's adjusting. <laughs> like, okay. Like, that's not interesting to me. I don't care how he's adjusting. What, what, are, what, yeah, are, we, what I, are we doing here? I think if, if you don't see it as him constantly in, <laughs> constantly trying to uh, ruin himself um, and just in a perpetual struggle there to, uh, you know, perform well, uh, well, the wheels threaten to come off and sometimes do, uh, and then making it back from that, um, then there's not a lot there and you have a bunch of long scenes in between the plane fights. Right. Um, yeah. So if, if you reject that early or don't think it's there, um, then I, I can see it being a long movie because it is, it, it trends toward two hours. I don't know what the runtime is, but it's got to be like an hour 50. It's pretty close because uh, they do take a lot of time on things like the romance part. A lot of time um, on that romance, yeah. which was killing me. I was like, this is so boring. And well, I know that, I think that sounds like immature. Like it, sound, it sounds idiotic and immature. I think probably a lot of my argument comes across as idiotic and immature. But from my perspective, <laughs> I was sitting down to watch like the number one action blockbuster of all time and i'm sitting here instead uh, like watching this guy like is he gonna kiss her what scene is he finally gonna kiss her we've had nine scenes uh, of him almost going to kiss her like this blows <laughs> but but think about that kiss because five minutes before like a creep he's following her into the bathroom and making sex jokes so that was actually an intriguing thing to me is that he's he's kind of a, a, a I, I try to think what word I want to commit to with this. But like, he's got some me too energy uh, with being so aggressive on on that. What starts as a cute singing scene, you know, he's really pushing this. Mm -hmm. And then after that, he completely pulls back from being like that. He's totally normal and decent he's he's even like embarrassed and ashamed of being late to the date when she tells him on the note 5 30 sharp he gets wrapped up in volleyball and he's late whatever um which i don't understand why he's late that's one of the gripes i had there is in the volleyball scene he's checking his watch like every 10 seconds it's 
they make a point to show you that he is checking his watch and counting the time down to to be on time for this date. And then somehow he's late anyway, even when he, he leaves and says he can't play another game. So I don't understand why he's late, but he feels bad about it. And, and the guy from the night before, whenever it was, uh, wouldn't have cared. He wouldn't have felt bad about that. He would have been very aggressive. He would have been trying to sleep with her. No, that, that part where it's like, is he finally going to kiss her that drags on forever? That is an intriguing element to this is that, wow, this is a real thing for him because he's not treating it. Uh, he's not treating it like animalistically. Uh, yeah. All right. I don't know. To me, it was like, <laughs> I would love to drink bleach right now. I can, I cannot believe that's, this is what this movie is. It was shocking to me. The whole thing was really, really shocking to me. Um, just my, my, I suppose my expectations going into it, and then actually watching it, it was just so different than I suppose I imagined. And maybe that was like a major part of my disappointment with it. But um, yeah, do you, do you I don't think, know, man. I thought it was so do you boring, the whole thing. You don't think there's any value in, in like, I know it's a generic redemption story, but he does get to the point where he quits and then gets it back together and, and then, you know, behaves heroically. Uh, isn't there some, some value in that? I just, it, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling a bit to, 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 to communicate how contrived I felt the whole movie to be. Like, I just felt like these guys took their first ever screenwriting class and this is what they crapped out. Top Gun. And we're going to plug the love story in so that, you know, when they go, so, so it can be a date movie and then we'll plug this you know, action scene at the end against the Russians so that there's some sort of climax. It all just felt so contrived and like a, like a rough draft of a movie. I thought it was completely the opposite. And I, I, I want to say a specific example of this in that, in that beginning montage, when he's up in the plane, he does this inversion where he's upside down and directly above the MIG he flips off the pilot. Goose takes the Polaroid photo of it. And it's funny and, and kind of impressive and whatever. I mean, it's, you know, it's a good sequence. Um, but then when it slows down and he's actually in kind of the classroom and they're analyzing that move and they start to talk about how it's not possible. And he says, yes, it is. And they go through this. That reinforces that what you just saw five minutes ago was actually a really big deal. You you aren't in a position to understand how crazy that maneuver was until however many minutes later they analyze it in that classroom setting to reinforce the craziness of all of it. And I thought, wow, that's that's kind of awesome that that you see a thing and then get the reinforcement that it was uh, a much bigger deal than you even realized uh, in a way that that tells you more about really what's happening in the movie and also more about the character of Maverick. And that little detail, I'm like, oh, that, that was a really good way to advance things that that uh, I, I think it took some some thought and talent to put into the script. So the things that bored you to death and you thought were contrived and unnecessary. Some of those were things that I thought um, made it singularly good. Yeah. I just kept thinking, so what? 
throughout the entire thing. Mm. I don't know. Just like, so, the so, so what, what? Is that you're not speaking Russian right now. How about that? <laughs> That's the so what? I wish that that is the movie that Top Gun is is some big battle against some <laughs> Russians. And there's like, you know, like like Rocky Four. Now, that's a great movie yeah. <laughs> where you know who yeah. the bad guy is. Yes, he, he gets the, there's a reason why he's fighting him. He kills his best friend. He has to like train like uh, unbelievably in Siberia because this guy's a machine and he'll murder you throughout that movie. You know where we're going. Throughout Top Gun, I was like, I don't know where we're going and I don't know why I should mm. care. I feel like I'm going nowhere. Yeah. I'm sitting in flight school for two hours and this guy is trying to date his teacher. So what? <laughs> Put down your can of Hyper Hydro Monster and your Crimson Berry White Claw. It's time to rethink the beverages in your life. We drink a tremendous amount of tea, working on videos, recording the podcast, but we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. They've got a gunpowder green tea called Space Cowboy. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know why Kevin likes it. And I used to chew gunpowder green tea leaves when I played baseball in the 90s. I love the stuff. Dragon Well Z, Samurai Chai Plu. Black Tees, Herbals, The Dragon's Treasure describes itself as a haven for anime and tea lovers for a reason. They've even got a tea called Uwu. It's got apple bits and cocoa nibs. It's crazy. I bought the 60 tea sampler pack as soon as I could. I wanted to try everything. It's that good. And when you order from The Dragon's Treasure using the code CREATE, you'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Look, find me another place that sells Russian caravan tea with a name like And Then Everything Changed When the Fire Nation Attacked. You can't. TheDragonsTreasure.com, 10% off when you enter the code CREATE at checkout. The link's in the description below. Get brewing, Space Cowboys. I do want to say something on the technical side, which is there were not a lot of great flight movies before this. Um... There were good flight movies around World War II. Uh, the, I, I think the planes themselves made it a bit easier and expectations, uh, expectations of what you'd see in a movie were okay. Like you could have a whole lot of very basic cockpit cameras and, and the movie's going to be okay. I think of something like, um, uh, I think the longest day has some of it. Tora, Tora, Tora's is one, uh, Midway. All the World War II movies have flying that's that's appropriate there. But I think by this time, oh, adequately showing flying was not much of a thing in Hollywood. I was trying to think about other movies of that era, like if anything came before it, because Iron Eagle also came out in 1986. That was not very good at all. That's just not a great movie, but it's a flying movie with engaging flying. Um, it hit me that for general audiences... This was almost like Star Wars level amazing, like X-Wing fighters, but actually real. Uh, it, it was, you know, I don't know what, seven, seven, eight, nine years after uh, the original and Empire Strikes Back and, and a couple of years after Return of the Jedi. But still, it was like, oh, here's the really cool flying stuff we've been seeing in Star Wars movies. But it's it's what's actually happening. You know, the footage is totally real this isn't science fiction this is uh this is crazy power and complexity that exists in this world because 
we're in a conflict. Uh, that was really neat. And I think, uh, I think Top Gun totally raised the bar on, uh, on things like a, like a, a flight movie, a plane movie, a tank movie. Um, I don't know about the logistics. I, I mean, I do think that with war movies, there's a logistical bias toward infantry and ground soldiers because everything else is so shockingly difficult and expensive to pull off when you start trying to film with tanks and planes and anything like that. Um, even cavalry in an older war movie. Uh, so I think that, that much of Hollywood shied away from, uh, from the non ground stuff and, and Top Gun was like, Oh, you can do this in a really entertaining way that people love and make it worth, make it, make it worth all the time and trouble of dealing with the planes. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, let me say some nice things about Top Gun. Um, and then I'll say some more negative things and then we can okay. get to Neil deGrasse Tyson's moon tweets. Um, nice things. The, the cast is excellent. Uh, Tom Cruise is great. Yes. Um, uh, Val Kilmer is great. It was a huge breakout role for him. I love uh, Tom Skerritt is great. Uh, the, there's literally not one role, even Meg Ryan. There's not one role in that film that I would recast. The casting. Meg is, Ryan is great. Uh, Anthony yeah. Edwards is great. Yep. The bald guy is from Back banging. to the Future, who is the principal. I don't know his name. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He is He's excellent. Perfect. Yeah. The casting yeah. and all the acting are excellent in that movie. Yeah. The, the music is excellent. It's totally iconic. It's the That's most true. famous element of Top Gun is the music. The music has lasted decades. The influence of that music has lasted decades. And not just the... It's scored well, too. Well, like the actual scoring of the film is quite good. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say not, not only the famous, you know, Highway to the Danger Zone, um, but the main theme that kind of repeats yeah. uh, throughout is yeah. really excellent. Get Beato on that. Get me. I, I want the breakdown of, of this um, entire soundtrack start to finish. Uh, the You've got the love and feeling, you know, that, that song yeah. is perfect. The music is so good. Um, that's it. That's it for good things. So, uh, but I will give uh, the, I'll play devil's advocate to myself uh, a little bit on this and say that I can totally understand loving this movie uh, for a couple of reasons. One is vibes. Like if you love the vibes of, and vibes of course include the music and includes the shots and includes the costumes. Mm, yeah. So like, you know, the freaking yeah. like flight suits and like his cool leather jacket and him like, you know, on his motorcycle, yeah. like all of those vibes are really cool. Excellent. Yeah. And it was a neat era to be in too, because like you remember people wearing the 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 top gun hats and the hats where the gold rope would be in the front above the bill yeah um it's just people really liked some of the aesthetics from this film yeah that's what i mean the aesthetics the aesthetics the vibes yeah. it was it's a lot of it is so cool it's just it just is between the yeah the the costumes the clothes the 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 music and of course the freaking fighter jets uh, it's it's like as it, that's as cool as things get basically. So yeah, pretty much. So that, that part I think carries a tremendous amount of water and, and that's fine. Like maybe it, it's, it carries 99% of the water and, and you love that water so much that you love the movie. 
for me, that wasn't yeah. enough. It, I did, it didn't strike a chord with me. And, and perhaps I will also say this, although, uh, you know, Ben is young and he loves, he loves this movie, Ben W. So he grew up kind of with the vibes of that oversaturated. But I was going to say that perhaps me watching it in 2022 is a lot different than watching yeah. it when I was a kid. Uh, because, uh, I don't know, it's, it, the, uh, the, the things that lasted about that movie, I've seen a trillion times. The things that haven't lasted, <laughs> I, I think, didn't last for a reason. And that's the plot of the movie. Uh, it blows. And I think there's a reason why it didn't spawn a bunch of sequels. It, it didn't really have like a huge influence. You didn't see like a, a huge spell of fighter jet movies after this. But it, what it did, the legacy it did create was really kind of in the vibes of the movie, which yeah. is a weird thing. I think that's hard for younger people right now to understand. Uh, I, I'm not trying, I'm trying not to get too meta about this, but the mood of what it was like to be uh to be an american in 1987 versus how people generally feel in 2022 rather uh they're two completely different national moods <laughs> I, I don't quite know i don't quite know how to how to put One this way in a way that, that yeah i mean it is just crazy what the social and cultural differences are now compared to then. And so many of the things that movie speaks to in the, the psychological elements that it taps are not only gone now in many cases, but the pendulum has swung actively to the opposite. Yeah. Um, it, there are a lot of reasons from that, you know, uh, for that, like, way too many to list. You could have a podcast that ran a thousand episodes just on this theme. But a difference between now and then is at that time, we had a very real uh, threat. It was There was a clear enemy with a track record of opposition uh, going on decades and perpetual uncertainty about what was going to happen there. Um, regardless of where people fell politically, that was the reality. You know, the, the question is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Not does it exist. Um, so it, it seems really out of place now. A lot of it does because all of those moods are so different. And I'm really, I'm really interested in what the sequel is about. I think that might come out on Memorial Day weekend. So in, in a week or two here, um, but I don't know what you do, even with that, with the plot that I thought was fine. I understand why you didn't. Um, but you can't tap those same notes now that you could tap on a film like this in 1986. Uh, so what do you tap? And that's, I, well, I am Matt, really think about interested this in what they end up the, doing. The, the perfect example is that they never, ever talk about the Russians being bad guys. It's just assumed. Like they, 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 they well, spend no yeah. time setting up the threat of Russia in that movie because no, no, no. it's just baked it's, in to the, the, the veneer of yes. the film. It's it assumed 100%. Yes. Yes. Just like it's, it, it's like they didn't have to put English subtitles for an English movie. Cause it's it, like, who needs that other than a handful of people? Um, 
yeah, you're completely right that they they code this in in a way that it's obvious what's happening here. You know, from the Red Star on the enemy planes to them being MiGs, which is uh, uh, the Russian fighter, um, to the location of generic location of Indian Ocean. So you know this is way out in that other part of the world where it's a little bit more of a hot zone than here and uh, Russian allies throughout uh, the Middle East and, and um, Indian subcontinent. Like it's a messy thing. And you're right. None of that is explained. They don't, they don't talk about anything specific because they just don't have to. Uh, it's crazy that I, I hadn't they realized didn't, that. They that, didn't have to. Let me correct you. They didn't yeah. have to. Watching it now. Oh, I thought that's what I said. No, no, no. You said they don't have to. They should have is my point. Oh, I see. I see. Because watching oh. it now, it's ah. like it's lost. Hmm. Right. Well, so I, I can see it feeling like a generic enemy like, to somebody As now. opposed to Rocky yeah. Four, where it's like, Yes, Russians are the bad guy, but they still take the time to create an, an icon, like yeah. an emblem, an avatar of Russia, which is Drago. In Top Gun, what they hit- don't even bother and they never do any work <laughs> to yeah, create that's, the that's adversary. True. It's just assumed. And watching it 30 years later, you're like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, that's that was the reality at the time i understand that i know but it just makes for kind of a crappy adversary uh later you know that's an interesting thing though uh like in terms of general history analysis that uh, i i know i've talked about some of this stuff before but losing that feeling is a perfect example where for whatever reason whether it's generational or Whatever, a person looking at a thing now gets a very different mood from it than a person looking at it as it happened or, you know, when the letter got written versus reading it 100 years later. There are all sorts of baked in things that were obvious and didn't need to be said uh, in the original that the person later on just they don't see and they don't know that they don't see. Right now, we I remember we talked at one point about like the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns and all that. But this is a really interesting example of it where a hundred years from now, somebody can be watching that movie and and it would not occur to them uh, necessarily what specific conflict that was tied to because it's just not in the movie. It, yeah, it's just it's just subtext. Hmm. It's subtext. It's, yeah. That's it. It's the subtext of of the movie. So. Yeah, I mean, my I will also. Uh, it's it's funny that this movie has a kind of a hot or cold reaction to it because there are a few people who I've asked uh, who are also really cold on it, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah. that movie sucks," or "Yeah, I can't, I cannot make it." You know, fifteen minutes through that movie, and then we have like staunch supporters on on your side, and you're one of them. Um, who say it's awesome, it's great, it's a classic. And I, I just find that really interesting. And that, that that is actually why I thought it was a good idea to even have an entire discussion about this because if we all agreed it was good or we all agreed it was bad, well, that's not very interesting. But the fact that it has created a bit of like a, you know, a bifurcation, I guess, mm-hmm. is interesting to me as to like, well, why do people land on one side of the thing and why do, why do others land on that other side of the old Top Gun aisle. It's a divisive blockbuster it classic it, film. It is a two or a ten 
to people and not a whole lot in between. We want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. But I do really briefly want to tell you, you know how the, as we were talking about this the other day, I was like, I had the worst state of my life is related to Top Gun. What? Like, hands down, the worst state of my life is related to Top Gun. And I, I wanted, you know, I hadn't told you that story in the past, so I wanted to do it briefly here. Okay. This was 2002. I remember it distinctly because for reasons that will become obvious here. Um, I forget how, how I met uh this girl it was a first date thing and we uh <laughs> i'm gonna admit this part i wanted to go to a place called our house this is in boston in uh the alston cambridge side of of things there were two our houses one was further downtown and one was out uh my way i wanted to go to our house because in the afternoons and the summers with most of the college kids gone they ran uh 50 off apps and two dollar Brewbaker beers. So I'm like, oh, this will be a nice like pubish, you know, uh, first date where we can talk, and it's going to be really cheap. And I love the the like loaded fries there. So I'm I'm in money saving mode. Uh, but yeah, like three minutes into this thing, uh, the girl's like, oh, what'd you do today? And I was doing something on my computer all day long, but it wasn't intensive. And I wish I could remember the specific thing. Uh, But anyway, I had the TV on in the background and TNT was playing Top Gun constantly back in those days. So, yeah, I was like, oh, you know, I did whatever. And I I watched Top Gun and the girl's like, what? You you actually watched that movie? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a popular one. It doesn't occur to me that there's any problem (laughs) With watching Top Gun. And we do this like you really did. You really thing, watched you know, one of like, the most famous yeah. movies of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's at a point. I'm like, I, I said something like that. It's like, yeah, this is just like kind of a classic. And that's why TNT put it on, whatever. It's not gummo. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like fringe, difficult, controversial stuff, you know? Um, but she starts really like building energy about supporting the military industrial complex and how I'm, I'm a sheep for being like a fan of this movie. And it's getting louder and louder. Like somebody's slowly turning up the dial she's getting more animated and it's like one pure rant. And as it's happening, I'm sitting there saying nothing because you can't interrupt that. And it's so crazy that it doesn't even seem real. It, It seemed like somebody really doing a bit and like, trying to have fun. So I started laughing. 
because uh, oh, I thought it was no. fake. <laughs> um, but yeah, at a point she's screaming about it. I, I said the 2002 part because this was the summer after 9-11 and there was a, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, anti-war sentiment in Boston among the college kids. And uh, I, I guess she... She was very strong in that movement uh, and could not handle the fact that somebody she was across the table from had watched TNT uh, screening Top Gun in the background on like a Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So anyway, she yeah, like it, it, it reached the peak of screaming at me and she just walked out and that was it. And that was it. She just left. That was it just left um you know i'd say i got ghosted but it was like i didn't even have a cell phone in that era so like ghosting the extent of that was like not responding to an aol instant message <laughs> you know like it wasn't um <laughs> you know crazy like and then i never heard from her again like cuz no i just wouldn't you know uh but it was absolutely insane and like the whole place was looking at me oh you know no. like what what is going on at this table? Because when she's just loud and angry, you think that the, the person on the other end of that has done something to make it happen. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. a bad guy. It, yeah. It looked like, you know, she just like discovered my other family I'd been hiding or something. Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, eventually she got loud enough that she's screaming about military shit and uh, just all of these things and, and walks out. So, yeah, I mean, I just kind of sat there and the waiter came over and he's like, I is it are you okay <laughs> like ask me if I was like yeah yeah I I don't know what happened here at all like I have no words for you <laughs> right now hold on, um, hold on hold on hold on so uh during her monologue did you interject yeah. at all to try to like you know calm her down or like you know in any way help the situation was it full bore just her ranting until she left at the beginning. Like, did kind anything of, that you kind of say make her madder? No. Like, no, no, nothing. No, 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 okay. no, no. Uh, no, because I mean, it, when she started on that, you know, I kind of sputtered like, Hey, well, you know, all the, the shit you, you do in that situation, but it wasn't anything coherent or like, I didn't like, you know, grab onto her and put her down, you know, sit her back down or something like, no, 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 none of that. I basically just sat there kind of processing what was happening because it was so strange <laughs> and so out of the blue uh that i was sincerely confused and stunned by it um so yeah this is probably the first time i've talked about and admitted to watching top gun in 20 years oh this is because such of a, yeah the trauma it's <laughs> the trauma i experienced experience of, to admit that you like this extremely popular and famous and iconic film I can't imagine it, it was cool, though. getting it was cool because, oh, sorry, I, I cut you off on that. I, well, I'm just going to say I can't imagine getting that mad kind of by myself. Uh, you know, like usually mm, when you get yeah, mad, yeah. there's an exchange. There's a why did you do this? Because I thought of that. And how could you do this? Right. Like things build uh, naturally yeah. in a in a in an argument. Um, how do you just kind of do that? By yourself. <laughs> that was precisely the confusing part to me. And like, I know that everybody is the hero in their own story. And I'm, I, I haven't said anything that would incriminate me here or make it sound like I, you know, was the cause of this at all. I am being completely sincere and honest when I say 
I did absolutely nothing that would escalate this, egg it on, bring it about in the first place, it, which is what made it so shockingly bizarre. <laughs> like Once that died down, I've got yeah. a bunch of appetizers. I have a, a bottle, of 16-ounce bottle of beer for $2, uh, right. and I lived like a hundred steps from this place around the corner. Uh, so I went home really quick and on the landline, I called, you know, I called one of my friends and I'm like, you will not believe what just happened to me. Get to our house and, and let's, you know, drink beer and eat appetizers. And I'll tell you about it. So a couple of my friends did end up coming out and we, you know, we had a ball and that was awesome. But, uh, (laughs) the whole thing was really twisted and bizarre. And like, I've seen, surprising things and things that don't make sense but that is the weirdest one that i never saw coming and it was 100 percent due to top gun yeah a, a movie that played everybody in, in syndication <laughs> on tbs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you had the goal yeah. to say that you you know periodically would glance over and watch the thing pretty much holy yep. cow yeah i don't know the yeah, whole that was a wild one the whole Working yourself up is what is most interesting to me about that. Like that to me, I can't even imagine like a snowball rolling down a mountain. You're just (laughs) getting bigger and bigger and madder and madder as you continue to go down. Uh, That's bizarre. That is bizarre. Yes, it is. Yeah. Hey, people do that, though, don't they? You can see it on Twitter sometimes when somebody will tweet and then it's a a multi-tweet thread and you can see them like progressively psyching themselves up as they tweet right. getting <laughs> mad responding to them right yeah they're getting more pissed about the thing uh, yeah. even though nobody is commenting at all and then by the end you know they're nine tweets in and frothing at the mouth and it's totally their fault yeah yeah i, I know that that is a kind of an extension of thinking i guess so maybe this was her kind of thinking through this on her own for the first time. I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm grasping at straws a little bit to try to understand uh, how this could come about. But, you know, people think by talking a lot out, out loud a lot, like some people need mm, actually yeah. really need to talk in order to think. I know that that sounds weird, yeah. but there's, there's like that meme where someone, there's a girl who's like, my boyfriend says that he can hear his own voice in his head. And that freaked me out. Oh yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That meme. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, some, some and, people talk uh, need to talk aloud to really think through. They do their yeah. thoughts, and it was almost like she perhaps was really doing that, and you were bearing the brunt of it <laughs> over some onion rings. <laughs> I think so, and it could be. I mean, again, I don't remember any specific. All I remember is is that the girl had dark hair, um, and that she uh, did not go to my school. She went to a different one. Um, but so, so I can't remember like what led up to this at all, but maybe she'd set an expectation that I was very, very different as a person. And she was, you know, jumping into just a, a, a differently temperatured pool, uh, and then got super shocked when <laughs> not necessarily that it was really, really bad, but that it was just different than what she'd prepared for. Yeah. You, um, you short circuited it her was brain. Strange, though. Yeah. Whatever happened there. It, I don't want to say it made me nervous, uh, for a long, long, long time, but, but kind of, I mean, it was, it was like this recognition that 
anything can happen with anybody at any time. Like it, it felt like every person is, is capable of being a ticking time bomb of some mm-hmm. kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> that was, that was a weird realization that, uh, that came from it. And, and the fuse, uh, I don't know if it's a healthy gun. one. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it was the ultimate, like, you know, you never really know what's going to tip somebody off yeah. or, uh, you know, not send them into a rage like it did in that example, but disappoint them or just whatever you're, you're not going to know. You're not going to see it coming at all. It's like, well, at least now I don't have to worry or stress about anything because if it's all one giant crapshoot that I can't possibly get a sense of, then, you know, why, <laughs> why get all stressed about it? Yeah. But dude, imagine you you had the Top Gun revelation like six months into dating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. so much worse. No, that's real. That's real. I felt weirdly lucky right after, like yeah. minutes after this happened. Like once everything had calmed down and people were talking normally and like the restaurant was back to being what it was. And I, I'm like taking a few sips of beer and whatever. I'm like, wow. Like the, the phrase dodging a bullet gets gets you know thrown around pretty often but i really feel like i dodged one here yeah even if it was two hours into the night like if this has to happen i am so glad that this happened right out of the gate because that's scary like yeah and in a public place too because you don't you just don't want to be in a spot where like you're in an apartment building and somebody starts like screaming bloody murder you know like that just comes with potential problems. Uh, so it was a, a good place for it to happen. It was good timing for it to happen. It just happened to be really insane. Yeah. You dodged the the gigantic bullet bill I did. from Super Mario World. Um, yes. Let's go and hit this Neil deGrasse Tyson thing real quick. We yeah. went a little longer on Top Gun, but uh, I really right. kind of felt like we both said everything we wanted to say about that. Oh, no, let me button it by saying, like, hey, if you love Top Gun, more power to you. Bless you. Uh, it's got great vibes. Are you going to watch the sequel? Uh, That's the last thing is, are you going to watch the sequel? Unlikely. Uh, unlikely. Unless mm-hmm. unless I'm told that I that I have to. I don't watch a lot of movies. Okay. I, I just don't anymore. So I know that it, we started this off by me watching movies, but I, I literally will watch a movie um, sometimes on, like, a weekend um, every now and then. Yeah. So when I do watch movies and the reason I watched Top Gun is like, I really like watching movies that I I've missed that I've heard a lot about. So that's why I watched yeah. Top Gun. I watched the quick and the dead. I'd never seen those films before. So quick and the dead is great. I'm glad you saw that one. Yeah. It's like fun. It. It's good. Yeah. It has that Sam Raimi cartoon, like madcap director style, which it's a little over the top in a way that works. It's what he does though. He's like one of the few directors where you can really tell his, his style. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about the talking about styles. Let's, let's talk about Neil deGrasse Tyson's, uh, Twitter style, which is to poo things that people like. So a couple of days ago, or what was it? Two nights ago, there was a lunar eclipse, which, uh, I'm a fan of. I think lunar eclipses are freaking cool. Whenever there is one, I go look at it and I say, wow, that's really neat. I really like it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm a big fan of the moon in general. I think the moon, the moon is quite beautiful. It has different phases and, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, subscribe to, uh, you know, following the moons, uh, to following whatever the moon's doing to 
I don't know, alter my behavior. But at the same time, I appreciate the thing. I like looking at it. Uh, apparently, Neil deGrasse Tyson is not impressed with lunar eclipses. He, uh, I printed out three tweets that he made about it because one of only one of them went viral. Um, but he did do three kind of further explaining sort of his stance on lunar eclipses being boring. Okay. So I'll just read I them. I didn't see the follow-ups. I okay. just saw the initial thing that sparked the, the backlash. Oh, okay. So yeah. So then this will be helpful. So I'll, I'll read them. Uh, I'll read the viral one last then. And I'll read the uh, kind of like the background ones first. Uh, so the first one says, Dear Earthlings currently in darkness. Right about now, the full moon is passing into Earth's conical shadow in space. The event is long and boring, lasting three and a half hours. For the middle 84 minutes, the moon is all but fully darkened as it enters the deepest part of Earth's shadow. One tweet. Second tweet. Unlike solar eclipses, which are location dependent, everyone on the side of Earth facing the full moon, i.e. the sun has set for you, can witness a lunar eclipse. That was tweet two. And then the one that went, you know, viral and trending and stirred, stirred people up was lunar eclipses are so unspectacular that if nobody told you what was happening to the moon, you'd probably not notice at all. Just, just, just saying. He ends it with just saying, which is like such an annoying way to end. I think almost uh, any tweet that you're being kind of like smug about. But um, yeah, that takes away any benefit of the doubt on him just yeah, being inarticulate with wording. Uh, yeah, no, when the just saying hits, you're like, OK, he meant every word of this. That's right. That's right. So so let's break down real quickly uh, what's going on here. Uh, one is that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson thinks lunar eclipses are boring. He thinks they're unspectacular and uninteresting. And fine, I his, suppose. his reasons for that are that basically anybody can see them and that they kind of happen often. I think I missed a tweet. I think there was a fourth tweet where he said that they happen every three years or something like that. Uh, I'm, if I'm misremembering that, I'm sorry. I didn't write that one down. But but esen he essentially, a lot of cool space stuff. I mean, it's it's. I, I'm trying to work with him here and and say that if he really thinks it sucks and that it's boring in the context of all the things he sees, maybe maybe he's got a point. Maybe they rank low. Yeah. Well, that I think I and I think that that's that's fine. It, it's fine. Yeah for him to have an opinion on lunar eclipses, for him to find them to be just uninteresting. They're not interesting to him. That's fine. I think what's weird is creating these sort of definitive or at least definitive like statements that I can't help. And, and everybody reacted this way, but I, but I also can't help but feel, especially with that just saying that he is saying, you're kind of an idiot if you like them. Like it, that's, that's the that way that it sucks. comes across. It's like, yes. you're an idiot. If you think this is interesting, it's like, what, why he should, why, why that's even the part say he that? should have just typed it out. He should have typed it out at the end. Just saying, here's the thing I don't like. If you like it, you're stupid. You're Every stupid. reason you have for enjoying this thing is dumb. Uh, it, I, I don't know why he just didn't say it because it was so clear from everything else that he wrote. It's not like it was the usual, you know, kind of raining on the parade with facts. No, it, this was just, uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you enjoy this simple pleasure in life, you are subhuman moron. Yeah. This, you know, simple pleasure 
of this dance between the earth and the moon and the sun. If you like this, you're dumb. Uh, what do you so, think is the end game on that? What, why do you I, think? I was going to ask you, how dare you oh, turn that balls. to me? Yeah, because exactly. Balls. What what what's the point? That's my that <sighs> is the question uh, is what is the end goal? What is the point of doing this tweet? So so here, I guess a couple of options. One is that it seems like there's this kind of hipster vibe to it where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I know what's really cool about space and about you know, celestial bodies and and different sort of events like this and like the normie popular Mm -hmm. uh, thing really is, is lame. Like that's definitely one option here where he's trying to build himself up, I guess, as being like, I'm cooler than you because I know what events in this domain, which is his domain. What events in my domain are actually interesting? This isn't one of them. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, the chat here is uh, there are some just strong points in it. Uh, Like uh, um, Dan, the latch saying that, you know what they say? Astronomy is fun when you're not an astronomer. That I, I think undergirds a lot of his points that, that it's like, that that people should know that it's more than just goofy fun stuff that you look at. Like, uh, I, I guess there's some validity in believing that. Uh, uh, I don't know. APM says that uh, it's likely an ego move. I'm sure there's a component there because nobody is that guy so consistently on Twitter as NDT. He's em- he's embraced it. He wants to be that guy. There's got to be some ego element at play there just to, to even be comfortable being that guy. Uh, it's puzzling, though. It's really tough. And I it's a to me a, a really juvenile way of looking at the issue. That's like if I shame somebody for being stupid, they will internalize their stupidity and then want to get smarter and not be stupid anymore. No one. I don't think that, that happens very often. Yeah, no. that's not the reality at all. Um, at not least not most work. of the time. It isn't. It isn't. And maybe it works. Like the shame and embarrassment factor of it is, uh, you know, it's really common for people to think that's a great motivator, and sometimes it is. But on issues like this, like no, it, there's no, it, there's no, there's no turnaround there that, that somebody's going to experience with any usefulness and any speed. It's just going to piss them off and very likely do more harm than good. You know, how how many people have unfollowed him after the hot takes uh, or have tuned him out to some degree um, you know, over, over the last couple of years? It's totally possible that that's happened. And, and I'm sure he sacrificed a bit of his presence. And it's like, I, I follow a lot of it. Edu- educational people for reasons. Um, and there's a point at which I think if somebody does something that's really newsworthy or groundbreaking or something, it's going to get to me. I don't have to follow them on Twitter, for example, and keep up with them because it's all of the same stuff here. Or if it's so notable, then I'll end up reading about it anyway. And that's how I felt after the 80 billionth hot take it's like, yeah, you know, I'll step aside here and uh, somebody else can fill fill that void on my feed. And, you know, if there's anything important, I'll hear about it. 
But the first question uh, that I asked and, and, and the first thing I thought is why make people feel bad for having an interest in, in, in the thing <sighs> that you have dedicated your life towards? It's like, dude, that is, is freaking weird to shut down an opportunity for people to connect with yeah, the thing that you love. Like imagine, I don't know, any sort of analogy, like a some sort of like a baseball player telling people that home runs are stupid. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know uh, any yeah. sort of example in which like people are trying to connect with you on your thing and you're like that you're dumb if you like this for that reason. Like really? Yeah. Why? It's Would funny you that, that you use Is that it example. a gatekeeping yeah. thing? I don't know. I think, yeah, I think there's a gatekeeping part for sure. Yeah. Andre says this in the chat too, gate, gatekeeping science. It's definitely there. Like delineating the difference between serious and casual seems to be a, a thing there. And I feel like he's doing that. It's like, if you have a ball with the lunar eclipse and you enjoy it, you are a tier one science person. If, you know, you have the higher understanding of, uh, it not being so rare and this and that, you know, you're a serious science person. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned baseball things like this absolutely happened and it still happens now, but with the introduction of, of a different set of, of metrics that some people said mattered a lot more. And there were conversations like that. It's like, oh, you think that batting average is what matters. You're kind of an idiot and you don't understand uh, that we need to look more at on base percentage and it doesn't matter how you get on base as, as long as you're on, that's the object of the game. Oh, you think you need to hit it? You know, everybody spent a hundred years worrying about batting average. Well, you're an idiot like that. Um, it, it tended to cement the, you know, the opinions like, no, I, I like the old style of things better as opposed to making them think, oh, I guess I do have a really superficial, idiotic understanding of the thing I love. Let, let me reflect, reflect completely on everything I believe. Like, no, that didn't happen. Um, you know, 20 years later, it's taken a little bit more seriously than it was. You know, it's, it's something that everybody accepts. Uh, 20 minutes after that conversation, like, nothing had changed except somebody liked you a lot less than they did before. <laughs> that's well, the big change that's yeah. happening here is somebody hates you now. <laughs> that's 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 how I think about it. And not even hates hates the person, hates the, you know, the communicator, but but perhaps hates the discipline. It's like if you're going to crap on level 1, like level 1 understanding of this thing and tell someone they're dumb for liking that, they'll never go to level 2. Why would they? It's really unlikely. And it's, if they do, the motivations are going to be weird. Everything that undergirds it is going to be strange. You just made them feel bad for, for really for no reason. But, you know, he does this all the time. And the other the other option lot, I was yeah. going to say is like, it's just an intention grab. You know, he knows well, that if he, you know, it's plays, con yeah, plays contrarian to things, it will garner attention rather than just being a cheerleader. You know, you can be a critic yeah. and more people will pay attention to you. Yeah, it's got to play some the role. The really funny thing to me is, is I forget, and I don't have the tweets up in front of me now, but there are parts of it that would have been awesome to know. And the people who enjoyed, uh, who, who enjoy the thing, the people who he's, he's basically calling stupid, would have appreciated the little factoids surrounding the lunar eclipse. And it would have been a positive moment for everyone. And people would have liked it. Uh, he made so many conscious little steps 
to make sure that did not happen. That, but then nobody pays attention, giant, perhaps, and that's his. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. that's his perspective: is that he drops some factoids about a lunar eclipse, no one retweets it. He's a gigantic jerk about it; it goes viral. I mean, yeah. that I'm giving him the benefit of of the doubt here. Maybe it's not that manipulative, but maybe it is. Maybe that's the what point. What would you tweet about? What's the thing? So you go, you go full mask off on Vsauce too. You start making tweets like this. What do you what do you tweet about to just totally shit on everybody? Oh man, I don't even know. With no consequences. <laughs> it's a hard question. You pay for me no to price answer. for this. <laughs> yeah, because it's not something I ever <laughs> think about. So I don't have an answer. It's really for not you. you. <laughs> no, I'm it's like, not I you don't at know. all. I, I would rip on. I would rip on food. I mean, because it I, it really does blow my mind uh, what what people spend on food just to eat things that don't even taste very good. Um, there's a, there's a lot of shitting on food that, that I would do in, in that circumstance. Now, nobody would really care about that. Um, but you know, that that's like a general, like, it's not going to get you in too much trouble. And I, I do want to point out that like, this was a hot take about a lunar eclipse. This was not, uh, like Russia, Ukraine hot take. You know, right. it, it didn't hurt anybody. It didn't cause any harm. As far as hot takes go, it's totally irrelevant. And I would stick to that class of things where I'm not going to comment on any too serious issue. It would be like, actually, you're complaining about the price of something you shouldn't even be buying anyway. <laughs> you're an idiot for buying this. Who cares that it doubled in price? Yeah. Yeah. I guess at worst, his, his tweets discourage scientific inquiry from people who otherwise yeah. would have been interested in it. Uh, oh, is there a know. video game thing that you would call out that they see that's a good, like low stakes, but still controversial thing. Not really. No, not really. I think that perhaps I would maybe rip on creators. I don't like, I think that that's, that's probably oh, like yeah. the, the worst thing I could possibly think of is that would be, I guess my mask off moment is just, yeah. that's not bad ripping YouTubers who I don't like particularly or their content very much. Um, yeah, that would be cool. That'd probably be it. Everything else though, man, I like, I don't care enough about to neither do I. Yeah. Like go, go, <laughs> go crazy about like, which is why it's so funny to me hearing about your story about this date and this girl going nuts about the top can th top top gun movie. It's like, I can't imagine yeah. getting so worked up over almost like almost anything mm. uh you know outside of like serious damage to like my friends and family like something that's like obviously worth defending uh yeah like uh, there's not it, a long list of things i would go ballistic over like no, me, me complaining like, oh, about top gun being bad is for fun like that's just for fun like right. i don't it's just to have a fun discussion i don't actually like think the movie should never be seen or, you know, I don't hate the movie. It's fine. Like, it's totally fine. It's okay. Uh, I didn't yeah. really enjoy it, but it's fine. Yeah. I'm not mad about it. And that's, that's totally valid. This is, you know, the other thing about that situation is you're saying I can't come up with a, a long list of things that would make me freak out to that degree. I don't know what I would stick around and scream for. There are a bunch of things where 
I can see something could offend somebody uh, or match so, so poorly that they'd think, I really want to get out of here now. But then they do that. Like, there's a list of stuff that would make you get up from the table and leave. Be like, sorry, I've got to go. But what makes you stand up and start, like, crescendo screaming about a thing rather than just plain leaving? And, I, and that's a really small list of things. You're so pissed off or upset right. that you've got to leave, but you're going to stay to demonstrate it. You're going to build a soapbox for you to stand on while you, you know, <laughs> <Right>. scream it, <laughs> scream from the top of your lungs and cause a huge scene over like, holy cow. I don't, I don't know, especially because, oh man. I was just thinking earlier today how fatigued I am. And I know, and I even thought about how ironic it is to talk about this um, amidst, like during a podcast in which we're presenting our opinions on something as kind of frivolous as an 80s action movie, but just fatigued by people's opinions in general. Yeah. And I mean that in the most general sense, like like at the highest level, like I'm so tired of everybody's opinions on everything. No, no matter. Uh, well, especially, I, I guess it's probably more big issues, even than small issues. Maybe the smaller stuff I am still interested in because it's kind of fun to maybe it's still fun to kind of argue over why, you know, Top Gun is, is good or bad as opposed yeah. to, you know, some like, gigantic impossibly complex situation that people seem to be completely sure about the right answer to uh all the while it's just plainly obvious that all they're doing is uh satisfying their own ego and you know personality traits and what goals in life like whatever it is that align with the thing that they're sure is the right answer it's like i am really exhausted by that because it goes nowhere. I think people, yeah, it, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, it, <laughs> Conrad, uh, yeah, it, it, I think what people need to understand is that other people almost never care what you think about anything and they shouldn't, they don't have a reason to at all. And that's the fatigue that I've got with everybody's opinion on everything is that I don't, I have no interest in what that person thinks about anything serious. Uh, Twitter is a good example of how this breaks down because there are a handful of people that I follow them specifically because I care about what they think about an issue or a genre. And so I, I do have this distinction, like here's a list of people that I follow because I care what they think. And then there is everyone else. The list of everyone else is literally like 99.x percent of the overall follows. I never really care at all. I don't even care when somebody's directly involved in something because usually their perspective sucks for one reason or another. And it's just a drop in in the bucket of like the entire uh, bit of opinion I, I need to be exposed to on a subject. But it is constant. And it it was such a, a f- kind of freeing realization in in getting time back when I realized like nobody really cares what I think about anything. I don't have to post about any of it. I can do literally anything else right now. <laughs> I can do everything. <laughs> everything is possible because I, I don't have to do this thing that nobody cares about. Um, but yeah, I don't know why, why they, they think their opinions really matter on the stuff. I know mine don't. 
I don't know why they think theirs do. Well, and it's not only that, I guess, for me, is that I also just almost inevitably can see exactly right through the fact that no matter what the topic is, their opinion on it is 100% self-serving. They almost never actually understand the issue that they're so sure about. If they do, it's only in the most rudimentary or like surface level kindergarten understanding of a topic. And it's exhausting. It's just so tiring to see it over and over and over again. And that's kind of like all. And I, I just wonder how much of people bowing out of social media is as a result of that is if they don't really know what else to say, if they're not talking about those things and the, the discussions never go anywhere anyway. It's just so much hot air. <laughs> Vladimir Lemon says in the chat, the Dunning-Kruger mosh pit. That is, that is such a good phrase. That's good. Uh, yeah, I like that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do get the sense that, that people want more frivolous stuff. So like there's been a tremendous surge in the number of animal meme accounts on Twitter over the last 12 months. Um, I follow a bunch of, a bunch of cat ones, which by the way, some of those go hard political and I've just had to unfollow because I, I'm not interested at all. I just want the cat pictures and there are a lot of places that give me cats. Um, <laughs> but I think that satisfies, you know, like animals with captions and, uh, uh, memes you should show your cat or you wish you could show your cat. Like all these accounts are really awesome. Um, it's, I think it's what more people want than like, here's what I think about Ukraine, despite never having been there, a 37 volume thread. Um, I, I got, I dealt with this so, so, so long ago. Um, number one, being elsewhere with people who had opinions about the U S despite not having been there or only been to one or two parts of a a wildly complex place. Um, And then after years and years of that coming back, and now it's people here talking about places and people that they have literally no experience with at all. Um, You know, everybody's gotten an opinion on Israel and Palestine, for example. Very few people have spent, you know, a year or two there. Um, Very few people have spent two weeks there. Uh, So... You know, I, I got used to that a long time ago. Um, so I, I do tune it out, uh, automatically. Uh, but I, I like the people who gravitate away from that stuff and toward the frivolous. I want to talk to a sniping soup. Um, when I, when I do want real information, I want it to be a Rick Beato level expert, somebody who is uniquely positioned to be awesome. I don't want, I don't want you know, the in-between, the in-between people. I want to get to know them as people and I want to have fun with them and laugh with them. And, you know, maybe they help me and I I help them, whatever. I want normal human social interaction. Nothing, nothing serious or high level. It's not what I want from them. Yeah. Now that's interesting. That distinction that you make. I think one distinction that I would make really quickly is, is what I guess what I'm tired of is just somebody says something stupid And then there's a gabillion responses that are just like, hey, look at how stupid this was. Like, okay, (laughs) like that's just not very interesting as opposed. And this is the distinction that I'll make. What I find interesting, uh, which is pretty obvious from (laughs) this podcast, is if somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson says something that a lot of people think is stupid, I'm interested in kind of dissecting 
what happened, perhaps what were the motivations, what was stupid about it, give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it wasn't so stupid. You know, like actually thinking about it is interesting. I do. I do find that thinking about things interesting, just kind of reacting to them with, you know, like a like a lizard brain. I find really pretty boring. And just saying, uh, oh, this just guy's so an idiot. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Who isn't an idiot? That's it's where's your where's your list of no of non idiots? <laughs> if it's like everybody's yeah, an idiot yeah. in some way. <laughs> like I'm sorry to say. So if you don't think they are, you don't know them well enough. That's what yeah. it comes down to. If um right. if yeah, you your think projection anybody of them. is yeah. Yeah. You're just not, you're not informed. You will be, but you're not right well, now. No, you're just hanging on to a, this immaculate projection of the person who is not an idiot. Well, sorry. Everybody's an idiot at some point about something or actually a well, lot we do about have, a lot. Conrad uh, did bring up the creator clash. Did you follow along with that? Um, I had some family stuff that I needed to do, so I, I wasn't able to watch it. But um, yeah, I saw it on Twitter because several of our past guests were boxers during the creator clash as managers uh, as talent managers here we did extremely well i think three and one is especially with with idubs doing quite well in in that loss uh he was pretty respectable there and uh as far as the l's go that one was uh was quite good um we're good scouts so yeah talent scouts we are. We are. Um, but yeah, uh, everybody's talking about dad, Nathan Burnett. Um, wow. Wow. Did, did he come out crazy? <laughs> was anybody really surprised impressive. by that? If you're shocked that Nathan Barnett came out like a wild animal, have you not watched his yeah. content over the past like dozen years or so? The That's dude true. is a, is a beast. He's an athletic and freak. He was- ripped too like he posted progress photos leading up to this on twitter and elsewhere and he was really i mean he is extremely in shape he put some muscle mass on yeah i mean he he had like that kind of uh, lanky athleticism super flexible all that which he's had that forever i mean that's why he does what he does but he put on raw power and muscle uh, in the last few months, and yeah, it <laughs> it was kind of crazy seeing how quickly, 22 seconds, I think it was, they stopped the fight. Yeah, but even his personality, I mean, that guy's a ball of energy. I would never step into the ring with somebody like that. You just, he's like a, he's like a, a caged animal <laughs> and you, you just <laughs> open up the door and he goes wild. <laughs> like his, if you've if watched his his boxing match with Matt Watson, it it played out exactly as I thought it was. Nathan just went total beast mode and uh, <laughs> it was over quite quickly because it's hard to, you know, unless unless Matt uh, kind of like turtled up and did a rope-a-dope, that would have been yeah. my strategy, I suppose. Is, but he do, I don't think Nathan would get tired. He's just such an energetic Not for a long ball, time. Yeah. ball of muscle. I don't even know how you rope a dope that guy. There's not enough rounds. No. You can't get into round t- eleven and, and have him be <laughs> punched out. You know, it's only three rounds anyway, or whatever it was. Michael Reeves impressed people. Uh, I did a thing, won his fight uh, with with his 292 inch reach. Um, I I thought he cut an imposing figure. 
yeah. uh, physically. He's, he's just so tall. He's so he's he's just like like a normal person in proportions, but just larger. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like a, he's basically like a super soldier. Yeah, yeah, he's a beast, definitely. So yeah, we had uh, all 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 three of those guys won, and then uh, you know Idubs went the distance and and really was really respectable well. yeah. uh, against somebody that he yeah. had very little. I mean, he shouldn't have been in, in the in the in the ring with that dude, with the the old doctor I'd say, there. I'd say the doctor uh, had a head start on the the athletic side of this. That's how I'd put it. That that Ian was he had playing a little bit of catch up before. from the get go. <laughs> the dude has fought like he was like an amateur boxer, from what I understand. He had like ten fights already, and this was you know Idubs first. So the, it was incredibly lopsided matchup. Well, who won in Rocky one? Not Rocky. That's the Not important Rocky. thing uh, that that we need to remember here is, is uh, our boy went the distance and uh, narrowly came up short. And that does that does set the stage for five, six sequels, spinoff franchises, everything. I'm excited. Yeah, Rocky two is is looming. I don't know. They're already they're already talking about putting together another one. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. It'll be interesting to see you know, who else they get. I know I've seen several creators who are dead serious on, on doing it. Chris Reagan, Chris Reagan being yeah. one of them who is a, a TCU alum is dead set on, on doing a, doing a match. So I don't know. We'll see, you know, we couldn't make it to this one. Perhaps we'll make it to a future one, but yeah, I don't know. I, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of the, the shelf life for this thing is. If it's a, flash in the pan novelty or if this is just the beginning perhaps of something that just grows and grows and grows i can see it going either way seemed seemed to go well yeah i i don't know if uh if we're gonna get uh cc numbered like ufc's where it's up in the hundreds uh but, but i do think <laughs> that we're gonna get two or three of these uh the momentum seems pretty good the my feed was my feet's everywhere. We're just loaded with some version of, wow, this is legit and it's way better than the shit show I expected. That's it, That was the, the rundown from virtually everybody. They were impressed by the quality of the fights, that they were real, uh, which meant the participants took it seriously. Um, you know, I, before this, it was like watching Deji fight and, you know, like show up to the ring, clearly not. Uh, having taken training seriously and then, you know, losing. I, I just don't think anybody thought it would it would be real. And literally everybody on the card seems to have uh, come out and, and proven them wrong. So that's that's cool. There's definitely going to be another one of these, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting to me to see who they get going forward, because it's it, it, it does seem like a, a narrow slice of like it's like a, sh I don't know. We'll see, but it seems to me like it'd be a kind of a shallow pool to draw from for fighters who are a like interested in doing it, you know, B have enough of a following that, you know, the, the, matters, the promoters yeah. are interested in putting them on the card and then C yeah. kind of have the time to put in, to do some training. You know, there's a lot kind of needs to come together and, you know, they pulled it off once. I'm sure they'll pull it off twice. We'll see if uh, they pull it off 20 more times or if it, you know, has its day in the sun <laughs> and then sets. I'm, and then it's kind of a fun thing that we remember. 
I'm intrigued and I'm excited to see what they do with it. And I, I'm pulling for them on this because it's so unique. Uh, yeah, nobody's really done anything like this in this space. It's really cool. They pulled it off. I'm excited. Is, is any part of it weird that we're now just kind of like fighting each other? <laughs> like, like, does is there a comment here, uh, about society or no, are we just going to let that, we let that go. Are you we know, not, are we not ready that to think card. about it? Do you remember that uh, card from the early fifties? I showed you from a, a, a trading card set called wild man depicting the last bare knuckle bout. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are big changes that are happening because 70 years ago it, it was like, wow, look at this intensely barbaric thing that we used to do. We're so much better than that now. And then like now one of the biggest things going is essentially not, not even bare knuckle boxing, just like fighting in all manners, <laughs> doing pretty much anything. Uh, and I don't think that happens by accident. Uh, and it does seem completely normal that it's, it's like, yeah, who's going to fight next? Like, I, I like the idea in the chat of the, uh, Vsauce one, two, and three round Robin match. <laughs> We're just like all three at once. And just the last man standing is the sauce. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but, but it's not just the YouTubers boxing, you know, the, the Paul brothers did it, have been doing it for years now. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of celebrities are doing it. A lot mm -hmm. of uh, former pro athletes are doing it. Um, yeah. It's a thing and it's becoming more of a thing. And, and again, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, I'm not ready to comment <laughs> upon what that means or why it's happening. But it, it seems like we're at a moment in time in which we all have so much to entertain us. So many options for entertainment, whether it's streaming media and music and, and YouTube and video games and your, your phone and social media. And the list is absolutely endless. You can make whatever you want and you can consume whatever you want. And fighting is what we want. I don't know. <laughs> I think all the possible things you could choose from <laughs> fighting that is more barbaric and raw than what was allowed 30 years ago, 40 years ago. That's the <laughs> that's what you take off the shelf with your gift certificate for anything in the store. <laughs> you regressed the caveman. I don't know. Well, you know, boxing's been around forever, but there is they have brought yeah. back bare knuckle, bare knuckle fighting that there is a league for that now. There are like a billion MMA leagues and more starting all the time. Uh, yeah. Khabib Nurmagomedov has his own now, Eagle FC, oh, wow. I think it's called. Yeah, he started his own. Other like former MMA guys are kind of starting their own promotions. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But now it's the YouTuber's turn. And, you know, iDubs and everybody else, they pulled off a big event. A lot of people that we know went to it, not just... Uh, obviously yeah. the, the people who were in the ring, but a lot of people just outside the ring and supporting people. And, and, and I could see it as a weird replacement for VidCon in terms of being a gathering uh, place. I bet it's better. Yeah. I agree with that. Completely. Of course, better. No, no, definitely uh, better. But like VidCon was the standard in the past. And I think yeah. that that ship has sailed and this will fill the void in a, in a better, in a bigger, better way. This creator clash stuff. It could certainly build into into that kind of hub. Uh, I think 
there's a little bit of a vacuum to be filled. Obviously, we'll know in a month how things how things are going for the first time in years. Uh, but but I will say the buzz is different. Where it's like, hey, we don't necessarily have to come out here for this just so a bunch of uh, TikTok people can run around. Um, well, yeah, they could they could refocus that and redirect it to a completely different event that has a different ethos and mood and and draw like the fact that there's a specific thing you'd see at at that event because it is an event as opposed to like vidcon there's like a a fake prom for 13 year olds on the final (laughs) night of a thing yeah like there is no payoff event there's No. no thing that everybody does and shares that's like the unifying like big fireworks moment whatever whereas this would at least have one thing that everybody's seeing it goes back to what we were talking about with Beato about the lack of kind of communal uh, events. You know, when we were talking about that, we were talking about that really kind of as it relates to music first and then sort of like of entertainment in general. But that plays a role exactly in what you're talking about is that it creates a communal event. Everybody can talk about that's there. People who aren't there can vicariously experience Um yeah. It makes it makes a big difference. So it makes a lot of sense. It's just interesting to me that boxing <laughs> might be this? the only thing that can pull that off. Like there's no yeah. major dodgeball game that everybody is like flying out for. Be. I don't think, you know, there should be that a dodgeball y- game. You could, you could. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Conrad says YouTube Kabaddi. I would support that. Um, but no, wouldn't that be amazing? Like rather than see, you can only have so many people fight and only so many people want to like engage in actual combat. However, wouldn't it be incredible to see a dodgeball match between like 20 creators? Yeah. You, you, if somebody asked you to be on a dodgeball team for something like this, you'd do it. This is actually a really good like, idea. Uh, as long as I was on Marquez Brownlee's team. <laughs> yeah, he's because banned that from the team, sport. I'm yeah. banning him. Uh, that team is winning. I don't <laughs> care who is on the other team. Uh, M- MKBHD is the last man standing in any dodgeball. This is a good idea, though. I like this idea. It would be amazing. Yeah, and it would work in a bunch of people who, you know, are like not top tier athletes, but also for whatever reason, don't want to train to be, you know, you really had to commit the way those guys did, uh, for dodgeball. You could just show up for the fighting dodgeball. Yeah. It would be nice probably to train a bit, but you could just show up and the expectations are also not, not high. Like a bad fight is bad. Uh, people kind of playing dodgeball like shit is still going to be really entertaining. <laughs> there's a goofiness um, to it yeah. that's built in that reduces yeah. shame. And there's certainly can be shame in boxing. If you get knocked out badly, like everyone's oh, going to yeah. clown on you forever about that. You know, Definitely. if you get knocked out of a game of dodgeball, nobody cares. Yeah, no, it's a funny moment. So this is our pitch. I, I, is it okay to say this is our pitch, the official create unknown pitch that uh, the next creator clash have a dodgeball a match dodgeball somewhere game? on the card. Yeah. yeah, a YouTuber dodgeball game with like 24 people. I might have uh, some messages to send <laughs> after this episode. <laughs> it's such a good idea. To pitch this idea. Because oh, like, like you said, we know a million people who are in the audience for that. There are you know, definitely enough uh, YouTube people there to field a league, let alone two teams. 
there were yeah. a lot of people and it would be a cool way to activate them. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I have my homework assignment for the week is, is, uh, pitch Ian on the, uh, creator class <laughs> dodgeball game. This is a genuinely good idea. Uh, let's, let's, let's tie this thing up in a nice bow. Um, if you like Top Gun, God bless you. Um, it's not a movie for me, but that's okay. That's what makes us all different and unique um, and, 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 and beautiful. So, so en- continue to enjoy that movie. Uh, for those of us who don't, we can just watch something else. It's really quite okay. And um, I think that's about it. Do you have any other uh, parting messages? If you enjoy lunar eclipses, you are a subhuman moron. Thank you. So it's okay. Thought... It's okay not to like Top Gun, but but if you do like lunar eclipses, then yeah, you don't deserve air. You're you're no longer allowed to engage in the discipline of scientific <laughs> inquiry. Um, if you like lunar eclipses, uh, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back next week with uh, Blame Society Films, um, Aaron Yonda and Matt Sloan. Yeah, true OGs. Of the YouTube platform. Yeah, maybe we can get Matt to do the baby cookie voice. Uh, we're out of here. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us this week. It was good to to have a, a guestless episode and just kind of share our thoughts. Thanks to all of our, our baby gang and patrons for hanging out with us here in the episode chat. If you want to become one of them, the true, the proud, the elite, then uh, just go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. All right, we are out of here. See you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and we've been shocked by all the new support this year. The world's ending and I'm late for work. Gib Tom, Sid Polk, Demetrius, Atrocious Guff. You guys really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria, Marco Sheep, Tom Videogre, Jelksies, and Dan the Latch. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Linus and Trevstead, Boromir, Botdogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Basewade, Monahim, Dojangles, and Zero. You really are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Discord Savior Ladderman, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. And thanks to Baseweight for the use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme, and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71. 